it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 741 for August 30th, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Tom Merritt of the Daily Tech News Show. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you for having me back, Allison, especially after last time. <laughs> I forget. Did you misbehave? <laughs> I have no idea. I just thought it that I'd say that. That would sound good. Well, It'll make people want to go into the archives and find out your... What did he do? <laughs> yeah. Well, at DTNS a couple of weeks ago, uh, you and Sarah talked about an interesting study conducted by Sweden's biggest car company, Vibilegre. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that incorrectly. But anyway, it was a study. I actually got in touch with Patrick Beja, who lives in Finland, but has a native Swedish or, or she's Swedish Finnish. So she's a native Swedish speaker. Uh, and, and they recorded a video of the proper pronunciation and sent it to me. Ah. I think I still got it wrong. <laughs> well, I stole your pronunciation typing from your show notes and it didn't help. It still didn't help me. But anyway, we'll try to say it. Anyway, it was a study in this car, car magazine about touchscreens in cars. And what they were trying to do was measure the uh, difference in speed with which drivers could perform normal functions with touchscreens. And um, so they, they tried to represent these different cars that they tested and show you uh, how far you would drive before you would finish do executing these maneuvers. Um, I didn't find the study very compelling. I went back and read the article uh, because it pitted one single model year of one type of car that didn't have a touchscreen, so it only had dials, against a limited series of touchscreen-enabled cars. And then it tested... That, that's an interesting way of, of describing it, because the way I looked at it was they decided to test multiple models of touchscreen cars and then realized, well, we should probably have one that doesn't have a touchscreen in here as a control. And that's why they only had one model. Okay. Okay. Because you can't you can't find modern cars without touchscreens these days. You do have to go back a ways. Right. I think it was a 2016 Volvo, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah, they so so I I didn't see that as a as a downside, but, okay. but your mile your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's take that as part of it. The other part mm -hmm. is they they tested what appeared to be a very small and in some cases very odd sample of functions to be performed by drivers. Mm -hmm. The kinds of things I would have tested would have been turning the temperature up and down, moving the fan, uh, uh, skipping track on a song, things like that. Uh, but one of the things they tested was setting the trip meter. Mm -hmm. Now, setting the trip meter is a thing people do. I haven't done it in, I don't know, five or six years, but I don't picture that as being like one. If I only was going to test like six things, I wouldn't even be on the list of things to test while I was driving. Yeah. I think if I were designing this study, the way I would do it is find a, a varying number of tasks that represent different kinds of tasks. So whether it's, it doesn't matter what they are. I'm not trying to replicate what a person actually does. I'm trying to test various levels of difficulty, right? It is odd to choose the trip meter because it's not something people do a lot necessarily but it's certainly representative of, of something that's not complicated. So if they're all not complicated, I have more of a problem with that than whether it was the trip meter or skip a song or something like that. You you want them to, to have varying levels of complication. So you're you're testing various scenarios. See, I think just going with complexity is is the wrong path because 
if the touchscreen has been designed to only reveal to you those things that you need to do in that moment, the the things that are are commonly done under those circumstances, then it doesn't matter if if setting the trip meter is buried twelve menus deep in a in a menu tree, right? Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is is not complexity. It's I want a, a a good sample of varying kinds of tasks. Yes. They should be different levels of complexity. They should be different levels of menus in the in the touchscreens. Uh, on the other hand, you don't want to look at how many menus they're buried in the touchscreen because that is something you're testing, right? You want the <laughs> you want the types of things you're testing to be agnostic. So it's so it should be different kinds of things. Like well, to test you know resetting the the trip meter. That's a one thought. I want to reset it, right? doesn't matter how complex it is on that end, but then there could be more complicated things like uh, set the uh, temperature of the car from high to low. Okay, that's that takes two things in your brain. One, get the setting to determine that it's at the right level. That I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I would approach okay. it as, as something independent of the interface of the car. What are varying types of tasks so that I'm, I'm trying out different things? Okay, I see what you're saying. Well, the tests that they've performed, uh, and and this isn't going to be all about the study. I want to kind of get off the study eventually, but I think it is interesting to talk about what they did look at. They Mm -hmm. uh, tested activating the heated seats, increasing the temperature by two degrees, and starting the defroster. Uh, Power on the radio and adjust the station to a specific channel. Okay, so that's multiple steps. Got it. Steve and I had to check to see if we have a radio in our cars. We weren't sure. We think we have FM. I, I wonder if, if, well, it was turned on the radio and set it to a station. Yeah. A specific okay. station. Sweden's yeah. program. So again, one. it's not, would you do it is it's do all the cars have this function? Yes, they all do. And is, is it testing multiple steps or something? Right. So that's, yeah, that's back to the point you had. And I might back to my point, which is I didn't even know I had a radio, but that might just be me. Uh, reset the trip computer. We already talked about that. Lower the instrument lighting to the lowest level and turn off the center display. So that you're you're like, I want to have you do multiple things. But why would I ever do that? Again, when you're doing a scientific study of how long it takes to do things in a car, you're not trying to say what are the things people do most often. In fact, you probably want to not you want to make sure you do some things that people don't do most often so that there isn't a bias in your test subjects of like, yeah, they always do that. So they're faster at it no matter what we throw at them. Uh, you, 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 you want to just have a, a well-designed test is, is going to say these are tasks that pe- we're going to make sure everybody can do. And it doesn't matter whether they're practical or not. It's what matters is, can you do them in the car? And then how long does it take to do them? If your purpose was just to test whether it was uh, how well people could perform tests of different complexity, then if it stopped there and no conclusions would be brought from that data other than this one was harder than that one, it took them longer to do it than this one, that would be valid. But what they're looking at, their end result is how far would you drive before you completed that task? So it's about attention and focus. Are you taking your attention off the screen and doing that thing for a kilometer, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But if I would never do that in the car, then it's not a problem. That's but would invalid. you do something like it? That's what you're testing, right? So, so it, again, it doesn't matter whether you would do the thing. 
there are it what would be a problem is if you say well that's an unnecessarily complex maneuver that they're doing and no one would ever do anything like it it just has to be representative of different kinds of tasks because what you're testing is how easy is it to use this interface and i would argue that you want to test a range of complexities of things because even if you don't do them regularly you may need to do it at some point and when you're talking about car safety, it doesn't matter how often you do a thing. It matters, was it safe to do the one time you needed to do it? Oh, it absolutely matters how often you need to do it. For example, checking to see what you're, how fast you're driving is something you need to do often. That's far more important than how long it would take you to do the trip meter if you only do it once a year and you do the other thing 50 times in a drive. It has a much bigger effect on your safety. I, I guess I didn't, didn't like state my thing clearly. I'm not saying it doesn't matter when you do them. I'm saying for safety testing, you you when you're talking about safety in a car, the one operation that will cause you to wreck is the thing you want to make sure doesn't cause you to wreck. So if you if you test checking how fast you're going and it never causes a wreck, but you never test trip setting and it does cause a wreck, that's a bad study because trip setting is the thing that somebody's going to have to do at some point. And when they do, it's going to cause them to wreck. And you want to have zero wrecks, not one wreck every five years. You're making the assumption that you would ever change the trip computer. Okay, so are you saying it's fine to never test safety on a trip meter because no one driving any car ever will ever set the trip meter while driving? I'm saying if you're going to test eight things, one of them shouldn't be something people hardly ever need to do and probably never do when they're driving. What I'm what I'm saying is you have to test the methods that are representative of the kinds of things you have to do. And so testing the trip meter is is similar to other things that people will do while driving. And you say someone will never set the trip meter while driving, and yet I'm gonna guarantee you people have done it. Email Allison and let them know that you're the person who did it. Allison at podfeed.com, absolutely. Um, do you need to would be a question. Um let's let's turn this a little bit away from the specifics of this test because sure, I, sure, I think sure, we yeah. can get at, well we can get back into the same argument um one of the most fascinating things to me i so i drive a tesla i have a giant screen and very little else i have some controls on my steering wheel that i'll talk about in a minute but a big aggravation to me is that i can't change the temperature while i'm driving without looking away from the from the from the road and I'm the kind of person where I am too hot, too cold, too hot, too cold. I change the, the temperature in the car probably 25 times in a five-mile drive. I mean, I, I just, it's like a thing. I'm just like, I'm lying. It's not that much. It's a couple times, though, in a five-mile ride. Um, I got in this discussion with Stephen Getz. He and I argue about this kind of thing all the time. And he said, Allison, I set my car to a temperature the day I got it, and I have never, ever changed it. So that's, that's a case where he's saying you would never need to do this, right? But a third data point was uh, Marco Arment and, uh, and the other two guys on ATP, were, the Accidental Tech Podcast, were talking about this very study. And Marco was talking about how great the temperature controls are on his Tesla because he can hit them without ever looking away from the road because he knows exactly where they are. I've owned my car for two years, and I tried this week just after hearing him say that. Could I re reliably find the temperature? And I never found it by trying to touch it without looking. Sure. So the, the thing that needs to be done, whether it needs to be done, and who's needing to be it done are all factors that muddy this as a, 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 a very difficult thing to study, I think. I, I don't think so. 
I, I you're talking about anecdotes of individuals who have uh, individual quirks. Uh, in a study, what you want to do is try to correct for that and have something that that cancels those out, which is why you want to have uh, methods that are agnostic to whether you would do them or not and only have methods that show you various kinds of things that aren't all exactly the same. Uh, if you said, uh, press skip, uh, turn off the radio, uh, reset the trip odometer, and uh, turn off the dome light, those are all one step, right? Now, if you're going to argue that one of those is two step, I just picked a bad example, but you don't want them all to be one step. You want them to be multiple steps. So you're designing something that says, we don't care about the quirks of the individual person, somebody who's just really good at being able to, to pick AC, somebody who never resets their temperature in their car. What we want to do is make sure that the people don't uh, affect the study and that the design of the study is testing multiple things. So you want to pick representative types of maneuvers no matter what they're doing. And then you want to get different types of drivers. And I think if you want to proceed to that part of this study, I will start to also have problems with this study because I don't <laughs> think they tested enough types of drivers. I, I, what I love about this argument is I'm convinced you and I could just switch chairs and keep going without any trouble. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we probably could. I've yeah. had the argument by myself sitting in my room. The the Again, back to the problems with this study is they gave the results by vehicle. And it, it, in order for what you said to be uh, valid, I think you would have to look at the aggregate answer because you're checking, you're testing buttons and knobs against touchscreens. What this does is you you could, for example, let, let's take the example of of the uh, other trip meter. Let's say Tesla buries its seven menu buttons or menu items deep, and the Ionic Ionic Five has it on the main screen. Well, you haven't tested touchscreens in how long it takes to get that accomplish that. You've compared two different types of cars and the way they designed their menus. I I think that you have described a test that they didn't do. If I were to create a test that said, I want to see on average, which is faster, buttons only, touchscreens and buttons combined, or touchscreen only, then they should have designed the test the way that you, you just described it. It's not exactly what they were doing. What they were wanting to show is uh, which cars with touchscreens, what is the... What is the response time of cars with touchscreens? By car, by vehicle. Well, but they're using, y yes, but obviously you have to have different types of vehicles to say like- No, no, well, no this, but the results this... were which car did worst. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It wasn't touchscreens right. versus buttons. It was which but cars did worst. That's what I'm saying is they're trying, that's what they're trying to show is which cars with touchscreens have what response times, not are touchscreens and manual controls better than one or the other. Okay. So we, then we get back to you, you and could I have chosen a test. A lot that of people want to look at this and jump to the conclusion of, oh, therefore one is better than the other. And I don't think this study shows that this study shows you these individual interfaces, uh, give you this response. I also have a problem with the fact that they really didn't do a lot of tests. So I don't think this is scientific. I think it could have been scientific had they run a lot more people through these cars. And then you could have had a usable result, which is of these 10 models, we found these response times go with these interfaces, and that could point you towards further research. 
but again, if you're not testing things that people actually do when they're driving, then I don't think that it's, I mean, people change the radio station, people activate their heated seats, they change the temperature, they probably start the defroster in some climates that I'm not in, uh, but, you know, the radio is starting to certainly disappear. Are you testing how well do people do things they do all the time? Or are you testing how well can people use the interface? Because those are two different things. You, If you want to test how good are these interfaces at common tasks, then you design it the way you're talking about it. Common tasks done while driving. Right. If you want to get to a more objective, how good are these interfaces, no matter what task you're doing, then you do it the way they did it. Oh, if the car was sitting still, yes. No, no, no. While driving. No, you're still doing the things while driving. So you either design it as how good are these interfaces at common tasks while driving or how good are these interfaces at any task while driving? The while driving part is essential to this or you're doing an entirely different study. Well, but so you're testing touchscreens and one of the tests is can you turn off the touchscreen when you're driving? Is that one? That's one of the tasks in the in the study? Turn off the center display. Okay. The center display on the on the Tesla is the touchscreen. Mm-hmm. So you're telling it just doesn't make any sense at all. These tests well, that might be a that might be a bad bad one to include in the study then. Lower but, the instrument but, lighting. I, yeah. But again, it it to me, to me, it doesn't really matter if the tasks are common or not, if you're just trying to test how good people can be at doing the interface. In fact, you're going to learn more if you make them do a thing that they wouldn't do normally because it's going to to put some strain. It's like stress testing the interface. Uh, it's not a thing where people have a mental model of it if they haven't done it before, which is good because then it's like, okay, if you have a novel thing, how good is this interface? Because an interface with a novel thing that people do fast is great. Like they didn't even know they would need to do this and they were able to figure it out fast versus something where like, well, if they ever were in a situation where they had to do this or attempted to do it while driving, this would cause a problem. Except in this test, they taught them how to do it before they did the test. They gave them time to become familiar with it right? so that they weren't fumbling around. And I, I think that's fair. Uh, there's a difference between, oh, I've done this so many times, it's muscle memory. And okay, I know how I'm supposed to do it, but it's not yet muscle memory. Hmm. So let's let's keep going down a, a different path of the... Uh, the usefulness, and I think about this a lot in in my car, whether it's safe or not, the things that I need to do. And uh, because the temperature is so difficult for me to do consistently, and I've tried uh, telling it to just turn the temperature up using voice control. There's a button on the steering column and that works great, except uh, it turns it up three degrees, which is like, okay, light yourself on fire. Okay, freeze to <laughs> death. Those are your two choices. <laughs> There's your options. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, they may have, since the last time I tried it, change it to where you can do it by one degree, that kind of thing. Um, and the the thing I'm appreciating about the display on the car and having a touchscreen is that when the interface is bad, they can change it. So when the when the car when I first got the car the speed limit the speed I was driving was in the middle of the screen and the screen is to the far right I, the Model Three doesn't have any kind of a screen in front of you so my speed limit was at maybe thirty degrees over to the right well in a recent update they moved it over to the left side now for mm -hmm. for European drivers just flip what I just said for it to make sense to you right. 
You, you mean British drivers? Well, Ireland and is uh, in and Europe. Ireland. Yeah. Most of Europe drives on the right, though. Okay. So do you want me to list all the countries that drive on the right before I finish? <laughs> no, I, I just want to people say? to know yeah. you're talking about driving on the other side of the road. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I think they probably picked up on that. Uh, but anyway, so the the uh, thing I like is that it was poorly done and they improved it. It's as good as it can be now. It would be better if it was in front of me, I think, and I didn't have yeah, to yeah. look so far away because that is something I do all the time. Um, but they've also done the exact opposite thing. Uh, what was it they did? Oh, the wind wipers, uh, wind wipers are a really tough thing to, to judge by somebody who lives in California. The first time it rained in my car, it had been eight months since I had had to turn on wind wipers. So, yeah, we use windshield wipers to get rid of the dust that accumulated from the forest fire, not, not to get rid of rain. Since we live in beyond Thunderdome now, right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I literally did not know where they were. And I was driving when it happened. I was like, okay, well, they were on the left on my old car. I hope that, what do I do? Do I push in, up, right, oh, left? Yeah. I have no idea no, what to do. Rental cars are the worst on that. You're like doing turn signals and turning on your lights. And oh, well, <laughs> I turned the turn signal on when I tried try to change gears because that's where the gear changes. <laughs> on my, it's, it's a big mess. But um, uh, so I didn't know where it was. But anyway, I finally found I, I pulled over to try to find it and figure out how it worked and everything. And then if you swiped up from the bottom on the left, you could see you could control exactly take it off automatic and say I want it on one, two or three. Right. That was a little inconvenient, but it was useful. It is now buried three menus deep in the in the controls menu. So they actually made that one much worse. If you live in a climate where you need to turn on the windshield wipers and you are obsessive about setting the speed yourself, that one got made worse. But I, I, I do think it's good that you can they can change it if it is bad. Yeah, that that's certainly an, uh, an advantage of touchscreens is your ability to change the interface. It's not something you can do with physical controls. If the physical controls are bad, well, you got to get a new car. Like, I, I haven't seen a lot of uh, uh, aftermarket, we've, we've changed your physical button uh, modifications out there. Maybe they exist. I don't know. Right, right. I'm not, I, and I, I'm not a uh, defender of Tesla in this whatsoever, as much as I like my car. I'm not a defender of this of this idea. But uh, but I do think about that a lot, about what they can do, what they could do, what they haven't done, uh, and what you'd be stuck with otherwise. Um, I'm going to paste a photo into our chat here uh, with any luck that uh, Stephen Getz sent me when I was talking about how uh, I don't have any buttons and some buttons are actually good. And I forget which car it was. He told me twice. Uh, but this is a picture of a car with, I stopped counting it, I think, 132 buttons on that screen. Yeah, this is this is worse than most TV remotes. Yeah, it, it is an insane number of buttons. And what it reminded me of was when I had uh, my Acura, which did not have a, a touchscreen to speak of it. It had a GPS. But there were buttons on my steering column that, to this day, I don't know what they were. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I've had that too, where, uh, or, or at, at some point you're, you're trying to troubleshoot something with your car. Have you ever had this happen? And you're pouring through the manual and if it's like, press this button and you're like, oh, that's what that was for. <laughs> I would have never deduced that from the icon they put on it. I've owned this car for three years. Never even saw that button. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think Honestly, uh, you know, we can we can go round and round all day long about uh, what is good scientific study design and what's not. Uh, in the end, do you think their results are broadly inaccurate 
that it takes longer to do things with a touchscreen than it does with a physical button, because that's pretty much what they found. There were certain models of cars that did better than others with touchscreens, but but the one that was entirely physical buttons got, got the fastest reaction time. It was just a smidge faster, though, than... Um I'm trying to bring it up here, and now it's not coming up this time. Um, oh, here it is. It was just a smidge faster than the Volvo C40, which did have a touchscreen. 417 right. meters versus 306. So, mm-hmm. n- no, they didn't really conclude that touchscreens are worse. Well, I, that's not what I asked. <laughs> uh, do you think that it broadly showed that touchscreens touch can take longer to use than than physical buttons. And keep in mind that Volvo C40 has a lot of physical buttons, even though it also has a touchscreen. Can, yes. <laughs> I, I, for a, a certain absurd functions that you would never do while you're driving, yes, they can take so longer. So this is why you're picking on the design of the car, is you think they picked things that are disadvantageous to touchscreens. They, they, that they picked things that would make touchscreens take longer, uh, but really don't show that touchscreens are any worse because they're the kinds of things you wouldn't do. And, and so they should have been thrown out that they're the ends of the bell curve, so to speak, that they're not represented. Some of them, I think, you know, some of the things were things that people do. And again, it does depend on who the people are. And like you said, a bigger aggregate of people. doesn't matter if people will do them or not. Are they representative of the kinds of things people do? I think it would be fair for you to argue, not to make your argument for you, but uh, it would be fair to argue, yeah, but these aren't even the kinds of things. These are buried so far in the touchscreen because people, it, they're not representative of that's the kinds what of I'm things. Tr- that's what I've been trying to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah is if, if the thing is something unlikely to be done while driving, then it's more likely to have been buried in menus. But I, I, was, I don't think there's t- so many of these that it throws off the general agreed, average. Agreed, myself. it's maybe... Yeah. 15% of the things they had him do yeah, that, yeah. that are that are silly. Um, I started thinking about it, though, and I think that picking specific cars, it, it makes more sense to me to try to look at what could you do to make them be as fast. For example, in the, my thermometer question, what if while you were driving the 15-inch display on a, or 12, whatever, how big the screen is on a Tesla, 50% of the screen was a plus button and the other 50% was a minus button, and that was up, down on temperature? Mm-hmm. I think I could probably do it faster on that screen than I could do it in a button or a dial on a If on a that screen car. is always up. But how do you make right. that screen come up? right. But you could, exactly. But there could be design elements that could make it better. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, first of all, we, we're, we're both treating this car magazine study like a journal article, which is perfect, which is totally unfair to the folks at the car magazine. I don't think they were trying to represent it as being like peer reviewable. Uh, they were like, Hey, we think we did enough testing here to show a, an interesting thing. Uh, and and they didn't say this, but I would add, if you really want to know, you should have a scientist do a journal article <laughs> and have it peer-reviewed. Uh, so I, I think you're right that you, you can't uh, conclude too much just on the basis of this one article. Uh, but I think what gets people's attention is it does point to something that people think about, which is, gosh, if I can not look and do something while driving, I feel safer. 
because I'm watching yeah. the road and yeah. I'm not moving. Uh, whereas with a touchscreen, I feel like I have to look because mm -hmm. I can't feel where the button is. Uh, and that takes my attention off the road. Yeah. And, and completely unscientifically, I 100% agree with that statement as well. Um, I know on the, on my car, the, um, I can turn the volume up and down on a dial on the, on the steering column that yeah, yeah. if I had to do that on a, uh, you know, on the touchscreen, it's also on the touchscreen so that the passenger can do it, which is kind of sure. nice. So if Steve's got yeah. the volume up and I want to tell him something, I can turn the volume down. I can pause the podcast, but he can also do it from the same scrolly wheel. So he can pause, play. Uh, go up and down a volume. He can skip track forward, skip track. You can, or you can actually like go back whatever your time frame is in. Um, if you're listening to a podcast or something, you can go back 15 seconds to whatever it's set by. And having that on the scroll wheel, I think is a is a really good thing. And I do wish that there were more controls that were on the steering column or something I could grab hold of. And of course, I would put for sure. I would put temperature. Stephen Getz would never put temperature. I think that's what's interesting and and what would <laughs> what would really be important to find out what are the common tasks uh right like what what are the actual tasks that the the majority of people do the majority of time uh because that could inform okay we really should have physical buttons for this uh next step below that would be what if they have programmable buttons so that you could decide uh, okay, this dial is going to be temperature, uh, but you know your 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 friend doesn't have that. That can be volume control for for them, uh, and and that way you can decide what the physical buttons are and what they aren't. Uh, you could even use screens on the buttons. You could do little you know LCD screens on the buttons so that it sh it tells you what it is. Uh, so if someone else sitting in your car looks at it and goes, oh, that's the temperature control. It says temp on it. Uh, that that kind of technology exists and be, be programmable. And that would be a way to split the difference between having adaptability in the car to the user, but also having that I don't need to look at it control available for whatever you think are the more frequently used controls you want. I never thought about doing it to the physical controls. My first thought was setting if I could redesign the screen for when I was driving and it, Tesla has profiles so you could have it be what you wanted it yeah, to be. Yeah. And I could have giant thermometer buttons, but I don't care about some other buttons on the car. Yeah. And I think uh, that's important too. Uh, and, and, you know, you can do some personal data collection that never leaves the car that tells you, in fact, these are the five things you do the most. Maybe you think you do other things, but these are these are what the data shows you you touch the most, and and then you could use that. Except they're going to do that adaptively. So after a year of driving, all of a sudden some function disappears because you didn't use it often enough. Yeah, right? don't don't. I will turn that adaptive thing off right away. Although <laughs> you know what, I do like some of the adaptive stuff. It's not bad as long as it's not critical. I wouldn't do it for the car car controls. That's too critical. Uh, I do like the the little widgets that will just show you the apps that it thinks from your behavior you're most likely to want to use. By time. 90% of the time, they get it right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was freaked out the first time I uh, I did the little pull down to search for Starbucks at 9 o'clock, 9.30, and it said, yeah, you want to, you want Starbucks? The one I really got freaked out by was I went to my uh, have my nails done, and when I did the pull down, it was ready to open my bank to, to pay them with Zelle. <laughs> how did you know and it and it's not like i do it at the same time every day that's it was it was co combining something in my calendar it must be and it consistently does that i have the uh i i have the experience of getting up early 
and the BBC News and weather apps are not on my home screen. Oh, <laughs> because it doesn't think I'm awake yet. <laughs> but you and and they're so consistently there, even though they're not pinned to it. That I was like, wait, where where'd they go? It's like, oh, I'm I'm up at five, and, and usually they probably don't show up on my home screen till till six. So did you sit there and wait until six, or did you find them? Yeah, no, I I did I didn't I couldn't search. I just had to wait for them to show up. <laughs> had a cup of coffee, waited around. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, talking about uh, the adaptive thing uh, and and changing the screen after a while, Tesla has taken away controls that were useful and hmm. that that's really disconcerting like where you used to be able to get in the car and there was a button that said i don't know was it your profile i think was something yeah. we go to all the time i get in the car i want to change it to me from steve and uh they they moved it and it was gone and it was like everybody was complaining and then it came back in an update and <laughs> so they're they're fooling with us all the time and that's Good and bad. They added the ability to see the uh, two side view blind spot cameras, and uh, so you can swipe up. And so when you're when you're in reverse, you can see your big reverse camera, and you can see the two side views. And then you got your 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 uh, what are they called side view mirrors. So you've got like all this situational awareness. And and after a while, they turn those on when you turn on the turn signal. So now if I turn, if I'm going to turn right and there could be a bicyclist coming up beside me down yeah, the, they're down the alley. Yeah, proactively show you that alley. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really neat. Well, now in another cool. update, they allow you to move them around on screen. So if you'd rather have those be up on top, you can, or maybe in the middle or you want them on the bottom, you can move them around. Um, that one seems a little silly, but they're experimenting on us real time, which is fun, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's all the benefits and, and problems of of user design on the web uh, or any other piece of software. Yeah, uh, the fact that you can push a change means sometimes you're going to push a change and no one's going to notice, and that means it was the perfect change. This <laughs> happens all the time, and I know it because I do it. You you change stuff, and if you change the right thing, nobody even knows you changed it because it was the right thing and it was a thing that they didn't notice uh and it and it goes away uh user designers know exactly what i'm I'm talking about why is not noticing good because it it means it wasn't important uh you usually it's when i t take something away oh okay that nobody okay. was using uh i thought you meant like i added a new feature and they didn't notice well that's a bad no thing. no where, where you run into problems is you make a change and everybody freaks out uh, because sometimes it's because you made a bad change, right? And it made the experience worse. That that can happen where you just get it wrong. But then there are also times where you make a change and you know for sure it's making the experience better. But because people noticed it, they hate it because everybody hates change. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about with, uh, with the cars is... Um, you and I have a mutual friend, Dr. Marianne Gary of uh, the University of Waikato in New Zealand. She's been on my show a bunch of times. And back in 2015, she came on my show and talked about focus versus attention. This was before touchscreens in cars were a big thing. It was just, She was talking at one point about heads-up displays in the car. But I chatted with her a little bit about it today. And and the the fact that you're looking away from what you're trying to see is part of it because if you're not seeing, you're not paying attention, but just mm -hmm. because you're looking forward and you're looking at something doesn't mean you're actually paying attention either. I mean, mm -hmm. cause you're not focused on it. Right. Right. Our minds wander. We miss a lot of stuff. You know, you've, yeah. you've had that experience was that guy came out of nowhere. Yeah. Or, or I've, I've been the passenger in a car where the driver ran a red light 
and had no idea. And you're like, oh my God, you just ran a red light. They're like, what? I did? I was miles away. Yeah, yeah. Or you've gotten home and you can't quite remember driving home. But clearly you probably did all the right things, but you're some sort of autopilot. Which is right right next to the like, what am I doing? I I was supposed to be going to the grocery store and I'm going to work because it's, you know, I'm just on autopilot. My car is turned into Starbucks when I'm not supposed to just because I was on that road. It just went right in there. Um, She talked about displays being better for awareness, like an analog clock versus a digital Mm. clock. A digital clock has been... shown to be a little bit better getting you the information more quickly and then the physical buttons being better for things that you need to change and that Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense but then there'd be no purpose to touch right right because you glance at a screen and get the information you need and glance back and you haven't had to do anything you didn't have to reach out and do anything so that that would make sense to me yeah Whereas there are physical awareness, like the dial on the temperature, right? That's telling you what the temperature is, or, or I don't know. I'm trying to think of some others uh, in in the old fashioned uh, uh, cars where you, where you had the the AM and the FM dials painted on oh, the yeah, translucent yeah, yeah. screen with the little red dot <laughs> thing in the middle. Back in my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why kind of why I thought it was funny when they were talking about setting the radio station to a station. I'd, You'd be surprised how many people still listen to radio. It's 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 uh, it's stunning to to look at the ratings and and the age groups. Uh, and a lot of times it's because people don't want to mess with how crappy Bluetooth can be, and they just give up, uh, or they don't want to make a decision. When you mm. when you choose the music, you have to make a decision. Whereas if you just turn on the radio, you've 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 abandoned yourself to whatever the the radio station has chosen to play. Do you have any idea what those percentages are? I don't off the top of my head, no, yeah. but they're just, I just remember thinking it had to be in the single digits and it was in the double digits. Yeah. The, um, oh shoot, I had a thought about And radio that. stations aren't going out of business right and left. <laughs> That's the other piece of evidence, right? Right, right. I, people who listen to the radio, do they change, do they search for a station or do they have buttons set in their car that go to those radio stations? Oh yeah, that'd be a good, good, uh, good piece of data to have. I'm going to guess that they have buttons, you know, that they, that, whether they're virtual or physical buttons. Um, yeah. I, but I mean, they should have tested to see whether you can uh, turn on the function that lets you turn the turn signal and make one of the car seats fart. Cause I can do that in my car and I bet that Volvo can't. That, yeah. Well, that's one of those uh, test design items where you have to have the feature available in enough cars to make it, you know, scientifically valid. And uh, sadly, it's not been adopted by by enough platforms. <laughs> it really should be. It really should be. <laughs> Another thing I've been thinking about is I, I get a lot of arguments with people about CarPlay because um, I don't think CarPlay is bad, but I'm fascinated by the number of people I talk to who say they will never buy a Tesla because it doesn't have CarPlay. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think the, the thing people are comparing is – CarPlay versus the horrible system that was in the previous car I owned. Maybe. I, I'm sure that's a lot of them. And if that's the case, then yes, uh, CarPlay is infinitely better. I find that impulse when I when I ride in a Tesla, and I've got another friend who has a Tesla uh, that I ride in quite frequently. I have that impulse of, yeah, but that's a proprietary operating system. And it's not like iOS isn't a proprietary operating system, <laughs> but it's the one I have all my preferences set for. And when I get in a rental car with CarPlay, it's magic 
everything on my phone is now up there on the screen. Uh, and some of it, I don't even have to touch to make it happen. It's just the navigation is there because I put it in my phone. And I think that's another part of the appeal is, oh, but I might have to work harder to make the Tesla system work with all the work that I've put into my phone. That's interesting. Um, I'm not saying it's true or not. I'm saying that's the perception. That right, I right. When I look at it, I think that interface is so ugly, my eyes bleed. I and and I'm I'm saying that for not to be obnoxious about CarPlay. Oh no, but, the CarPlay interface control interface. Uh, yes, uh, wear glasses, shades, because <laughs> it'll make your it'll, it'll make your eyes bleed. But but what I find what I find the benefit of CarPlay is not having to use its interface because it just can pull up the thing. Right, but I was actually going to compliment CarPlay, even though I think it's ugly as sin, as my father would say. Part of the reasons it's so ugly is because it has big, bright, colorful buttons that I can mm. tell uh, overcast versus maps. I can tell sure. it at a glance, and the button is bigger than my finger. The mm -hmm. Tesla display is beautiful, and it's it's smooth, and it's elegant. And for the life of us, we can't figure out whether a button is on or off. Because <laughs> they're not even consistent with like whether dark gray is on versus light gray. Sometimes yeah. blue is on and dark light gray is off. Sometimes it's a dark gray, but sometimes dark gray means it's off and dark and blue is on. So they make it really, really pretty, but it's inconsistent. And and the, and the buttons are really small. So if my buttons for my my temperature were big and fat and ugly, and one was red and one was green, I could probably do it without looking at it. Well, no, I guess yeah. my point about Apple's the Apple's usually the one matter. that marries usability with aesthetics, uh, but in this case, uh, neither of them did it. One <laughs> has usability and the other has aesthetics. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I do think that CarPlay is easy to use once you understand how it works, but I actually found it pretty confusing too. And maybe it's because I came from the Tesla interface. I found it a little confusing the very first time I used it because I was expecting it to be harder. Like I had to, yeah. I had to unlearn like, oh no, I, I, it's just there. That's it. That's all I got to do. I don't, I was like, where do I set it up? And it was like, it's already set up. You, you, you just press the, the maps button. That's all you got to do. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, once I got used to it, I, I think that is anything the first time you use it, yeah. it's always more difficult. I, I love your point though. Um, I've, I've always said that usually if you're finding something really hard to do on a Mac, it's because you're trying to figure out what they did instead of thinking, what would you do? So I, yeah. and, and the example I love to give is Steve and I were working on, I think it was a G5 Mac and it was at one of the big towers with a cheese grater or one of those. Yeah. And uh, we needed to replace a hard drive. And for the life of us, we could not get into where the screws were. And I was like, I was about to go to the hardware store and see if I could buy a right angled uh, Phillips screwdriver to get to this screw that we thought would, would release the hard drive. And Steve and I had been f swearing and fighting with it. We had all our tools out. And finally, I said, Steve, let's just sit back and think. If you just did it the way you wanted it done, what would it be like? And he said, well, the screw would be straight down from above. And I looked at it and I pushed a, a, a ribbon cable back and there was a screw straight down. We undid it and it popped right out. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that reminds me of of uh, the innumerable number of shipping boxes that I have torn apart, angry that they weren't easier to open, only to find after I got them open that there was a tear strip across the middle. That oh, I... <laughs> every time, and it, it's always there on the uh, on the Apple boxes, and yet I swear yep. I can't find it sometimes. Yeah, you're you're we're box blind somehow. <laughs> 
I think so. I'm gonna, I want to scroll back and get the name of that car because I know Stephen Getz is going to be really angry if I don't tell him. It was a Ram TRX is the picture uh, that I gave you of the one with the 365 buttons on it. With the, with the uh, Comcast remote level of buttons. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm glad you agree with me 100% on this. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Oh, I 100% disagree with you on, on the validity of their study design. But, uh, but in, in the end, uh, I, when it came down to human conclusions that are anecdotal and limited only to ourselves, then yes, I found a lot more common ground. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom, if uh, people want to find your work, they would go to? Uh, TomMerritt.com collects most of what I do uh, together. And uh, if you like these kinds of fun conversations like Allison has on on Chit Chat, you might check out A Word Podcast, uh, where I sit down with interesting folks and use a single word to kind of launch a conversation and explore how we think about things. That is a really, really interesting show. I've enjoyed a couple of those episodes quite a bit and been tweeting about them, and uh, it, they really make you think. Uh, the, 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 the one that's in the hopper as we're recording right now is Brian Brushwood uh, talking about the word ambition. So look for that one. Ooh, that looks like fun. All right. Thanks a lot for coming on again, Tom. Thanks, Allison. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad-supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilla Castaways. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.